Yeah, I want to thank John Kresge for that uh, presentation on the excess funds and, and how he weaved that so nicely into the call to live in harmony. Um, as we'll see uh, in this message tonight, money can be a very divisive thing, and, and that's something that we absolutely do not want to do, is to cause division uh, among our church family about this. So, um, as with most of his writings, uh, the Apostle Paul filled the first portion of his letter to the church in Rome with some deep and very uncompromising theological truths. And then the last four chapters uh, of this letter, Paul moves from the teaching of the theological truths to the practical applications of those teachings. As you read through Romans 12 through 16, you'll notice some practical commands and encouragements on how to live out the truths that he taught earlier in the letter. You'll also notice that many of those commands are hard to do. As humans, with our sinful nature, it's not easy to treat our enemies with kindness. It's not easy to acknowledge that we may be wrong or that other opinions are equally as valid as our own. Quite simply, it's not possible to do any of these things or at least do them with God-honoring motives without the love of God dwelling in us. You may recall in our evening services in January and February, that uh, Pastor Dan and Pastor Chad uh, described how and why we are to love one another. Loving one another is the foundation of all of our Sunday night service topics over the next few months. The subject of tonight's message, living in harmony with one another, is a prime example of the command given that we have no hope of living out without the love of God dwelling in us. The main verse for our study tonight is Romans 12, 16. And I'd like to start by reading Romans 12, 14 through 18 for a bit of context. So follow along with me. Romans 12, 14 through 18 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Well, as we take even a cursory look at that passage, it's apparent that some, if not all, of these commands are impossible for us to live out without the love of God. That's certainly true for the command to live in harmony with one another. First, I thought it would be good to understand what Paul means when, by this word harmony. Now, when I hear the word harmony, my mind goes to the context of music. If you observe a quartet, for example, the members of the quartet don't all sing the same note at the same time. They sing different notes that complement each other and give depth and breadth to the main melody of the song. Now, I find that to be a, a good uh, mental image of, of how we can uh, work in the, in the body of Christ, doing different things that, when taken together, bring praise and glory to God. Now, it's a great mental picture, but um, Paul uses a word that conveys a more serious 
personal command that forces us to evaluate how we relate to and interact with others in God's family. Now, according to some of the commentaries that I've read on this, the word that is translated harmony in the ESV is somewhat difficult to translate into English. Both the New King James Version and the New American Standard Bible translations render that sentence in verse 16 as be of the same mind toward one another. According to R.C. Sproul, Paul's language gives the idea of Christians sharing the th same thoughts with respect to one another. Strong's Dictionary describes this word as to have understanding, a personal opinion fleshing itself out in action. The term translated harmony implies an attitude of the heart which results in action. Now, as with most commands in scripture, this command to live in harmony with one another is not passive, but it's active. Harmony must be strived for as an intentional, purposeful pursuit. The opposite of harmony is dissonance. Harmony is simply not the lack of dissonance, but rather actively working to be of the same mind with one another. It's important to remember that Paul wrote this letter to a local church, the church in Rome. Now, although we don't have a lot of details about the church in Rome, I have to believe that it was made up of many individuals with different interests, skills, talents, and personalities. In almost any local church in the 21st century, there will be men and women, people of different ages, people with different skills, personalities, likes, and dislikes. Now in their book, The Compelling Community, Mark Dever and Janie Dunlop describe the local church as a community where many relationships would never exist but for the truth of the power of the gospel. The community is characterized by commonality with Christ. This description of the local church allows for a purposeful gathering of those who would otherwise not have much, if anything else, in common. So how can this gathering of such diversity of people be sustainable? Well, really it can't, except by the supernatural love afforded to us through the gospel. When you bring people with different perspectives, personalities, talents, gifts, Together, it's easy to see how dissonance and strife can form within the local church. Paul recognized that potential, so he gave us this command to live in harmony with one another so that the enemy would not have a foothold in the church and cause division among its people. The command to live in harmony with one another is vital to Christian living. But how do we, as members of the local church and the church uh, universally, Live out this command. Well, in verse 16, it provides a straightforward answer to that question. But as we have discussed already, it's not possible to do this without the love that only God can give. Reading further into verse 16, Paul writes, Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. The New Living Translation renders that sentence in verse 16 as do not be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I thought that was an interesting phrase. A couple of things come to mind as I hear that sentence. First, 
take joy in gathering in fellowship with those outside your normal social circle. God created all of us in his image for his glory. God's people all have things to offer, and we as individuals have things to offer to God's people. The other thing that comes to mind with this sentence is that we should be very careful as to who we put on a pedestal. And more importantly, in my opinion, we need to be careful of what pedestal we think we are on. When we feel that we are on a pedestal, it's certainly easy for us to look down on those who we consider to be lowly or ordinary people. Let's be honest, it's easy for us to develop us and them uh, distinctions that can cause divisions among God's people as well as our communities in general. So what are some of the ways that we can create those distinctions, the us versus them distinctions? The list is endless, of course, but I'll mention a few here so that we can understand how easy it is for us to set ourselves up for conflict with our brothers and sisters in Christ if we're not careful. Some of those distinctions might include education and profession, regardless of income, especially if that profession is in full-time ministry. I use that kind of specifically for our church context here. But we often put our full-time ministers on a pedestal, and it can be our human tendency to try to knock them off of that pedestal. And that's something that we dare not do. And there's this little big elephant in the room called COVID, dare I say COVID. At our annual business meeting, Pastor Tim talked about the divisions that have been created within our own church, as well as all local churches around the country and around the world regarding their response to COVID. I won't rehash those tonight, but it is painfully evident that there are many us and them groups when it comes to our response to COVID. Sports is another one. That may sound a little odd because this is an area that most of us at least would say is for fun, for teamwork, for sportsmanship. But it's been my experience that sports can bring out some of the biggest us versus them distinctions and, dare I say, divisions um, in, uh, in our communities and in our, in our local congregations. And certainly, economic status and the use of money. Uh, we uh, John talked about that a little bit earlier this evening. And, um, but money can cause so many divisions among people, including God's people. James chapter 2 has an excellent example of where his readers are admonished for showing partiality to those who are rich and causing the lowly or common people to be looked down upon. Now, the Apostle Paul just doesn't stop with associating with the lowly. He adds one more statement in, in verse 16 that really should cause us to take a close look at ourselves and how we need to strive to live in harmony with one another. The last part of verse 16 says, Never be wise in your own sight. And the New Living Translation renders this sentence, Do not think you know it all. Now, that's a negative statement in the way it is, uh, is stated in Scripture, but I think a positive way to think about it, about not being wise in your own opinion, is to seek out and value the opinions of those around you. In Proverbs 15.22, it states, Without counsel, 
plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. We all have different knowledge, skills, and abilities. Sharing your insights with others and being open to getting insights from those who have other perspectives will further the effort to live in harmony with one another. Now all of this discussion about living in harmony with one another is valuable in and of itself, but it doesn't mean as much unless we understand why God has commanded us to do this. Now the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, answers that question for us as well. If we look further into Romans, into Romans 15, verses 5 through 7, we read, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That's the ultimate reason why God commanded us to live in harmony with one another. We are with one voice, but with many different parts to sing, getting back to that music analogy, to bring glory to God and to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Earlier in Romans chapter 12, Paul describes the church as one body with many parts. The parts do not all have the same function, but they work together to make the body whole and healthy. We too, though many, with different personalities, talents, experiences, and gifts, are one body in Christ and individually members with one another. Living in harmony with one another allows for unity. Christian unity strengthens the church to protect us from the divisiveness of the evil one. But more importantly, it strengthens the church to further his kingdom and bring glory to the Father. Now, before I close this in prayer tonight, I want to invite every one of you to our fellowship afterwards down in the gym. And uh, hopefully we can uh, continue uh, this, uh, this process of uh, interacting with one another, getting to know each other, and to, uh, to help us to, uh, to cultivate that, uh, that spirit of harmony among us. So let's, let's pray as we close, and then I'll also uh, uh, ask a blessing on the food for the evening. Well, dear Heavenly Father, uh, it has been a delightful night tonight, an exciting night to hear what you have done through this local con congregation over the years. Lord, we thank you for uh, the, the opportunity to, uh, to use what you have granted us to further your kingdom, uh, both locally and throughout the world. Father, we also um, pray for our congregation that you will help us to continue to seek out ways to live in harmony, live in unity with one another, and not only to just not be uh, without dissent or dissonance, but truly pursuing that uh, harmony uh, as we live our day-to-day -day lives uh, with those around us. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for the uh, fellowship time that we have after uh, our service here this evening. And Father, we pray that, uh, that you will uh, bless this food to our bodies and grant us a great evening to your service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look forward to seeing you all in the, in the fellowship.